Good morning and welcome to Talking Books. Today I'm going to be gazing at an empty chair opposite me in the studio, but this doesn't mean I have no guests to share book talk with. For just the second time in the two years, <coughs> can you believe it, in two years I've been doing this show, I'm conducting the interview over the telephone, so fingers crossed all the technicals work. Um, today I'm going to be chatting to Michael J. McMahon, who's a blogger, a coach, a speaker and a voice actor, as well as a writer. Um, first of all, though, I'd just like to mention that in June, I'm proposing to do another poetry request show. They all go down so terribly well. And I thought we could have a theme. We could have a theme of summer poems and poems about nature. So if anybody out there would like to nominate a poem, a favourite poem, we'll get a nice reading for you. Um, do email studio at 10radio.org. Um, text your message um, studio and then your message to 07786 202240 or just call on 01984 624137 and say it's for talking books um, I'd love to have as many nominations as possible um, we'll read out who it is it's actually for so if you wanted to dedicate it to anybody do please feel free that will be happening in June. So as I say, I'm going to be talking to Michael McMahon um, and actually while that's all set up, we're going to have a very appropriate piece of music, Telephone Line by ELO, one of my very favourites, so speak to you soon.
Hello, Michael. Are you there? Yes, I can't hear you terribly well at the moment. You're not very loud. Really? I think somebody's going to make you a little bit louder. Hold on a moment. Yeah, carry on talking. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yes, am I a bit louder now? Yes, yes, you are. Yes. Oh, Thank well, you. Well, that was worrying because one of my friends says I have a voice like a foghorn. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, that might be. Perhaps you're being naturally reticent this morning, just in case. Well, <laughs> first of all, I want to do a little bit of an introduction, because you okay. did send me a biography. Um, I'm not going to say when you were born, but you were born in Pembrokeshire, and you're now based in Bristol. Yes. And um, you've just written Back to the Black, or you wrote it a little while ago, didn't you? How to become debt-free and stay that way, based yes. on your personal experience of surviving a debt crisis. Can you tell me a little more about how you came to write the book? Okay. Um, yes. Well, uh, yes, as you said, I survived a debt crisis. Um, it was a while ago now. It was about 15 years ago. And I was close to being bankrupt but managed to avoid it. And then a few years later, I thought, well, perhaps I ought to write, write that experience up, partly for my own good. It could be quite a cathartic experience to do that. And who knows, maybe it would make a couple of newspaper articles, something like that. And um, anyway, so... I did that, and then a friend looked at it, uh, who, a friend who is very widely read and has good judgment on these things, and said, oh, this is quite good. Are you, you should expand this and, and see if you could write a book based on it. So I decided I'd write a book, um, and I, I thought I would combine my story because, you know, people like to, like to hear personal stories, don't they? Particularly yes, they personal sco- stories of near disaster, which <laughs> mine was. Um, and, and then I thought, well, to that, I will add what I learned from it, uh, if you like, what I wish I'd known beforehand and try and put some structure on it. So, yeah, that's how it started. And then I, I got very close to a deal with a major publishing house in 2009-2010, I think it was. But then that fell through, um, and so I decided to self-publish. And I self-published in 2010, and this year I decided to bring out a new edition. So I've got a new edition, uh, which is just out now, um, published by a Bristol publishing house called Silverwood Books. And actually, Michael was um, recommended uh, to me by last time's guest, Debbie Young, because she's very keen to promote independent publishing now, isn't she? She is, she is. And I think it gives opportunities to people to get their work out there that maybe um, they would find it perhaps more of a struggle with a traditional publisher, but there's some really useful stuff out there. Um, And I think you felt it was important, didn't you, to write the book, to offer experiences to others who were going through the same issues? Absolutely, absolutely. And and you're right. There are so many opportunities now for anyone who's got a story to tell or some knowledge to impart or some experience that they want to share in any way. Um, It's so much more possible now and practicable to do it um, than it ever was. Um, And, yeah, the whole field of independent publishing um, is, is is growing yeah, at a rate of knots. And, you, and you're quite right, your last guest, Debbie, is uniquely well-informed about that whole thing. And you probably know about this uh, festival, which she hosted yesterday. Yes, I was going to talk to you about that a bit later. Yeah. But first of all, I just wanted to ask, for practical purposes, mm. um, what sort of issues does your 
book cover because being in debt causes a lot more than financial problems, doesn't it? Of course, absolutely. And in fact, um, I w- at this festival, uh, I was reading a couple, uh, some, some extracts from my book and one of the extracts I read was about the, as you say, the, the, the more than financial issues, i.e. around stress and what it can do to you. Because, yes, I know from personal experience, being, being in a debt crisis is very stressful and that can, that can cause all sorts of things. I mean, you know, I said, you know, it might cause you to drink more, uh, as I did. It, it, it might cause you to smoke more if you're a smoker. Uh, start smoking again if you're an ex-smoker, and, and both of those things happen to me. And so, yeah, and, and we know in the most extreme cases, we know there are many, many, many cases of people actually committing suicide because yes. they were in debt and they didn't see a way out of it. So the attempt of my book was to say there are ways out of it. There's always, there's always a choice. Um, and the people who are chasing you for money, um, i.e. the people you owe money to, they're just people. And it's a question of how to communicate with them and say, well, okay, I've, I've analyzed my situation and what I could do is this, and I could make you an offer to do this and this, and uh, it would require this and this. And to work out what your plan is and communicate with the people you owe the money to. And at the end of the day, they can say yes or no. But um, so, yeah, I wanted to pass on what I learned from my own negative experience. Yeah. Because actually, it, it actually does need quite a lot of confidence to deal with some of these organisations, doesn't it? Because yes. sometimes you have to get your way through various options on automated phone calls, and yes. then you find yourself with a with a letter threatening all kinds of things um, if you don't get in touch. And sometimes I think people just lack the confidence to yes. approach the organizations in the first place. I agree. And the, the key thing you said there was complicated phone calls. And one of the things I say in my book is avoid dealing with your creditors on the phone if you right. can. And I think it's possible to do that because um, the thing is um, dealing with the people you owe money to on the phone because, yes, certainly they will, they will try and phone you and pressurize you. Um, and very often people pay the companies who shout the loudest pay them first although that might not be the best thing to do yes. um, you know for example if you owe credit if you owe money to several different credit card companies it makes sense to pay the one that with the highest interest rate first but quite often people don't do that they'll 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 pay the one who shouts loudest so what I always say is don't deal with them on the phone let the answering machine take the strain um, and but then reply but in writing. And the thing is that uh, there are so many organizations that will help you do that, like the Citizens Advice, the obvious one, which most people know about. Um, there is a, a comp- an organization called Step Change, which is a big debt advice charity, and they, they only deal with debt, and that it used to be called Consumer Credit Counseling Services, oh, right. now called Step Change, and there's National Deadline. So those uh, Citizens Advice, National Deadline, Step Change are the three, let's say, national advice organizations, and all of them can help people. Also in my book, I, I give examples of, uh, I think, about 15 different letters, kind uh. of standard letters you could write to these organizations. And what I found was, 
yes, you've got to write a lot of letters, um, and every time they come back to you, you might have to repeat what you said the time before in the letter, uh, in another letter. It's what I call the, the broken record technique, and I'm old enough to remember when records were vinyl. <laughs> so am I, don't worry. They would jump. <laughs> yes. So sometimes you have to repeat it because people don't get it the first time. But So it's a question of persistence, um, and it's much better to do it in writing. That way... Uh, you've got a record of what you said and what they said, which isn't the case if um, if you deal with it on the phone. And you often don't catch the name of the person on the phone, yeah. do you? They say, my name's Stuart or yeah. something, how can I help you? And you've yeah. forgotten by the end. And I do find, I mean, you know, I've had my own... We've all had a battle on the phone with somebody from a company, haven't we? Yes. Um, and you find that they've been on one of those dealing with difficult people courses. <laughs> so as you get more and more emotional, they yeah. get more and more dry, and it can be incredibly frustrating. So if you've got examples in your book about you know, different techniques to use and, and actual templates, perhaps, for yes. letters. That would be hugely confidence-boosting. Yes. You reminded me, I, I promised myself I would also put these templates on my website so that people right. could then, you know, download them and, 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 and edit them themselves. I haven't done that yet. But, it's, but the letters are in the book, and there's about 15 different versions for different situations as templates, yeah. Yes, because sometimes it's difficult to sound reasonable. When yeah. you're writing, I mean, you know... We, these things are important to us and our families, but clearly the organisations, if it is a big bank mm. or something, mm. they're seeing you more as a statistic, aren't they, than yeah. as a real person. I think that's half the issue. Yeah. Is that where some of the stress comes in, do you think, for people? When you were writing your book, it, did that remind you of the times of frustration and feeling like you were banging your head against a brick wall? Oh, yes, absolutely. Particularly if you, if you dealt with an organisation like a bank, like a credit card provider, um, and, you know, something has been agreed, and then a little while later they say, oh, no, we didn't agree with that. Well, oh, that's right. when I learned you've got to have everything in, everything in writing, and then you can say, well, in your letter of so-and-so, you said you would accept this amount. Um, so, you know, and, and very often they would say, oh, yeah, sorry, uh, and they would back down. Um, but, again, it's the, the benefit of having, having stuff in writing. And, yes, these are big organisations, and, of course, the people that you're dealing with, they're under pressure from their bosses, of course, to get yes. cases cleared up and all the rest of it. And yes. you're right, they're, they're, they're driven by statistics. Yes, and, and I, I think we have lost the art. I mean, for, this is a book about this is a show about writing and about books. But I think we have lost the art of letter writing because I think in the future, I mean, so many brilliant um, uh, authors and writers in the past have kept diaries and written letters, and they've been published. And the art of letter writing is something that I think we're in danger of losing. And it means when it's an important letter that needs actual structure and yes. and um, deal with practical issues, we, we maybe don't have the skills anymore. Well, that's why I say um, take the, the help that's available, like, um, you know, the, the, the help that's available from citizens' advice, yes. from step change, from national debt line. You know, those people are used to drafting letters. And in fact, when I was going through my uh, problems, um, the, the local branch of citizens' advice was extremely helpful. And, and on one or two occasions, they actually wrote the letter for me. I mean, most yes. times I wrote the letter myself, but um, many times they wrote, the, sometimes they wrote the letters for me. 
because sometimes that's good because then you've got a third party in between you and yes. the person you owe money to. And from a negotiating point of view, that's always beneficial. Yes. I, th I think certainly a lot of us would need... A, I think perhaps when you're talking about people who experience a breakdown or perhaps yeah. even go so far as committing suicide, it's because they've not had some support yes. to, to, to lean on when everything seems to be falling apart. So yes, the Citizens Advice Bureau has always been, for, for years and years, a, a huge resource for people in trouble, isn't yes. it? Yes. Um, well, I mean, you're launching a new edition of the book soon, and um, I think, is it, when's it taking place? Foils? No, in... it's, you know, it's, well, yes. I, uh, the, the thing, it's already published. I'm having a right. launch event in Foils in mm. June. Foils in Bristol, that is, by yes. the way. And a, a, a shout out for Bristol. It's the first branch that Foils have opened outside London for, year, for decades, I think. Yes. So that says something for Bristol. Anyway, Foils. Bristol in Cabot Circus in the new shopping area um, and it'll be um, hopefully uh, on the 11th of June but it's not uh, we haven't finalised it yet it's going to be in the first couple of weeks of June anyway and if people go on Foyle's website they'll be able to find out when it is because we're going to finalise the date in the next few days but yeah it's going to be a launch event and it's going to be you know, very informal you know come along have a glass of wine or a glass of orange juice um, and um, I'll talk about the book why I wrote it and in introduce it and stuff like that and um, and you know meet people and um, browse the bookshop which is great mm. and it's nice to see a, a, a bookstore opening a branch rather than closing one down I know I had my I had the launch for Shell Shop Britain at Foils in Bristol they oh, yeah. it was wonderful it's yeah. a, I do recommend it. It's, Bristol's not a great place to go if you're trying to hold on to your purse strings, it must be said. <laughs> but if you can manage to get to Bristol and not spend all your cash, or if you have spent all your cash and need suddenly find you need Michael's advice, I would heartily recommend a trip up to Foils in Bristol. It's a wonderful bookshop. But we also say at the same time that we've got a marvellous bookshop in Taunton called Brendan Books, and we really? always want to plug Brendan Books because they're a wonderful supporter of independent authors good good so um as you were talking earlier you were at a literary festival last night that debbie had organized how did that go oh it went brilliantly and um, it, she organized the whole thing in the last two or three months and it just uh, it, it grew and grew there were about i think 20 25 authors there um speaking briefly about their books reading from their books being interviewed on different panels so i was interviewed with uh, th there was a little segment about non-fiction writing, and so I was interviewed with um, with two or three other non-fiction writers by uh, somebody called Caroline Sanderson, who is a journalist who edits for the um, the bookseller magazine right. non-fiction, and so that. Uh, that was part of it, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a lovely event in a little village called Hawkesbury, Upton, a uh, little way north of Bristol, so in South Gloucestershire. And it was very successful, first time it ever been done. And uh, Debbie, as you will know from having met her, yes. is a real she's a real doer, and she organised it all very well. And doubtless there'll be more events like it in this little village of Hawkesbury, Upton. I, I think she's a she's a great ambassador for uh, independent independently published authors isn't she yes. she's she's a her own work is really interesting and i really enjoyed her short stories last time they're great. Uh, they um, really are. but 
to get back to yourself, yeah. that this book is called Back to Black, How to Become Debt-Free and Stay Back There. Back to the Black. I throw that in Back because, to of the course, it's black. a little bit close to the, the, the name of a best-selling record by Amy Winehouse. Yes, absolutely. Back to the Black. Yeah, the, and the subtitle, as you say, is How to Become Debt-Free and Stay That Way. And have you got plans for another book in the future? Yes, but a totally different book. Um, I... I was in business for for before I before I started my own business, which went fine for a few years and then went badly, and that hence my uh, debt crisis. Before that, I was 25 years in big business, in working for big companies uh, in the chemical industry, and as part of that, I had to speak in public at conferences for years and years and years. So I got quite experienced at it. So basically, I'm writing. Um, I've written a. F- couple of chapters uh, already of a book about what I learned about uh, presenting, about being a public speaker, and also, again, (laughs) similar issue as with debt, how to handle the stress that comes with doing that if uh, sometimes people have to speak in public and they didn't want to. Their boss asked them to do it and they hate the idea, or, for example, um, they might, for example, their daughter's getting married. Oh my God, I've got to give a speech at the wedding. Yes. That kind of thing. So I'm, yeah, so I'm working on a book about that. Yes, that, I mean, that's something to look out for in the future if it's public speaking is something that they teach more in schools now. But I know there's a whole generation of us who quake in our boots yes. at the idea that we have to talk. And I do div- give lots of talks for my book now. And it's fine now I've got into it, but there's always that little bit of nerves just as you start. Yes. Um, so that would be another wonderful book. Now, we've, we've already come to the end of the show. It, it always whizzes by. Um, and what I wanted you to be able to do now is to give the details of where you can get your book and yes. your website if you'd okay. like to give us the details okay well my my website is uh, very simple it's just my name.com so that's michael mcmahon and that's m-a-c-m-a-h-o-n michael mcmahon all one word no dots dot com um, and the book's available on Amazon, uh, in print, and in as an e-book. Um, and it can be ordered at any good bookshop. I mean, Foils have one, but that's a long way to go from from Wibbler. So, so um, Brendan Books could get it for us, for example. Yeah, well, exactly. Absolutely, Brendan. Yeah, Brendan Books could all order it from. Uh, well, Ingram's is a big distributor, and they certainly have stocks of it. That's wonderful. Now, as we come to the end of the show, you've chosen a really appropriate piece of music. Mm-hmm. I hope I re- remembered the last, the right one in the end. I think it's it's from a rather famous musical. Would you like to introduce it and tell us why you chose it? I chose it because, um, yeah, uh, I have a phrase which I often use, which is act as if. And sometimes, well, it served me well. Sometimes you have to act as if a certain situation has happened, even though it hasn't happened yet. And so this this song uh, from Fiddler on the Roof is a perfect example of that uh, because it's called If I Were a Rich Man. And thank you so much, Michael, for coming on. Um, it's been fascinating to talk about um, a different sort of book. We often talk about fiction, but to talk about non-fiction and on such an important subject at a time like this, it's been great. So thanks ever so much, Michael. My pleasure, Susie. Oh, Lord, you made many, many poor Can I still talk to Michael? I realise, of course, it's no shame to be poor. But it's no great honour either. So what would have been so terrible 
if I had a small fortune. Oh no, he's gone. Is he gone? Yeah. If I were a rich man, it doesn't matter. I have a different yeah. 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 If I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard. I have if I were a bit rich, I didn't die Oh, yes, big tall house with the rooms by the dozen, right in the middle of the town. A fighting room and a real wooden floor's been there would have been one long staircase just going up and one even longer coming down and one more leading nowhere just for show I fill my yard with the chicks and turkeys and geese and ducks for the town to see and hear Squawking just as noisily as they can And each love the will end like a trumpet on the ear As if to say here lives a wealthy that would be lovely. Oh, if you could, that would be fabulous. But if his role is to introduce Gabrielle Dwayne, you know, because he's limp. All day long I visit him. If I were a wealthy man, I wouldn't have to work hard. If I were a bit rich, Idle, little, diddle, diddle man. I see my wife, my golden, looking like a rich man's wife with a proper double chin. Supervising meals to her heart's delight. I see her putting on airs and strutting like a peacock. Oh, what a happy mood she's in. Screaming at the servants day and night. The most important man in town will come to fawn on me. They will ask me to advise them like a Solomon the wise. If you please, Rebetavia, pardon me, Rebetavia. Posing problems that would cross her eyes. And it won't make one bit of difference if I answer right or wrong. When you're rich, they think you really know. If I were rich, I'd have the time that I like to sit in the synagogue and pray. And maybe have a seat by the eastern wall. And I discuss the holy books with the learned men seven hours every day. And that would be the sweetest thing of all. 
taught our feet to soar. He was the first who ever burst onto the second floor. The world would be downstairs today had he not found the key. So let his 